Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf and Gavin Shaw here. And Gavin, the Knicks won 112 to 99, which you would think would be pretty convincing, but there was some stuff that happened in this game. It was a real roller coaster ride of a game. No deer and Fox. Julius Randle drops 27 in 27 minutes, then gets ejected. RJ Barrett, one of the more complete games of his career. Jalen Brunson sprained ankle. It was a crazy, crazy night. We get into it all right now on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. We want to thank you guys for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day, whether you're checking us out on your favorite podcast platform or taking in the sights and sounds on YouTube. We appreciate you making us a part of your daily routine. And we want to remind you, today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA. I'm Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Nick's site, The Strickland, which you can find at thestrick.land. He is Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster. And we are breaking down the Knicks 112-99 to win over the my cat. <laughs> it jumps into the stream once again. If you're on YouTube, you get exclusive looks at my Siamese kitty. We are breaking down the Knicks 112 to 99 win over the Kings uh, on Sunday evening. Gavin, I thought this was uh, this game was interesting, right? Like, so I, I'm coming back from vacation. I was like keeping up with the Knicks while I was gone, and they decided to go on this like little win streak. Julius Randle is being vintage Julius Randle. It's great. And this game was more the same for him. It seemed he, he had the, I think they said the highest first half output for him in his career yeah. uh, mm-hmm. and, and ended up with 27 points in 27 minutes, but had kind of a, uh, a disappointing end <laughs> to that game. <laughs> and, you know, it's like he gets a double technical off of, look, I thought he got fouled. I think he had a, a real case for like, he was complaining that there wasn't a foul call. He kind of got knocked to the ground, got like bonked on yeah, the head. Sabonis, but, Sabonis pushed him. Yeah, he was. Sabonis he was pushed him. I mean, it was a foul. He didn't get called. But then he can't. I mean, if you're your team's offense, like he was the offense for large parts of this game. If you're playing that role for the team and they really need you, like you can't do that. And, you know, later on, like RJ got asked about it. And, you know, after the game and he was like, look, it's kind of on us too." like. If a guy's getting heated like that, like you got to step in and like pull him away from the rest before you can do something like that. But for someone that's supposed to be more like the leader of the team, like Randall, I feel like you got to just not get that second technical too. just zip it and be like, okay, let's let someone else fight this battle for me or something. The rest of this game, Tibbs kind of went through the same thing because he picked up an early technical and then had to kind of climb up the rest of the game. So I don't know it. It's sort of, and I mean, that's not to like rain on the parade of what was a great game for Julius, but it did kind of put a damper on it for me. 
uh, even if he was such a key part to the win and, and such a key part of establishing an early lead that the Knicks luckily never gave up even after he left. No, it was, I mean, it's kind of beautiful in a way, right? You got the full Julius Randle experience in under a half hour. I mean, the M- MSG uh, plus should have charged extra for this one. Um, it was, it was fun to watch until it wasn't. Um, and, and look, I, I, I kind of, I kind of want to start out with the positive because it was just an incredibly impressive performance from Julius Randle. I mean, that people are are comparing the shot making to twenty twenty one, and it is it is a little bit reminiscent of some of the stretches he had this season. But man, I, I don't ever remember him being this hot. Um, I I'm gonna pull it up as we talk, Alex. But I I, I mentioned the other night over his last six games that he was averaging, I think it was 27, seven and, and five. Um, so he's currently um, over his last seven games, including tonight. Um, the shooting is just on another level. So 27 points in 33 minutes, which is, which is nuts. It's all, almost a point per minute, uh, nine boards, four assists, shooting 46% from the field, 35% from three, 88% from the foul line. I mean, that is, that is not just all-star numbers. That is, uh, first or second team, all NBA type numbers. And tonight, again, just just some of the step backs he's hitting are it, it looks he looks like James Harden on every steroid in the world um, at different points. And, and then he's combining that with just brilliant playmaking as well. Um, and, and then the physicality attacking the rim like he he start off he started off this game just mowing through Davion Mitchell and then finishing between DeMontis Sabonis and Harrison Barnes for an opening score. Um, and, and then this is a shot Jalen Brunson missed, but, it, but his next possession had an opportunity to score on like a little turnaround jumper. And and in, and as he was going to shoot it, the last second dished it off to Jalen Brunson. That was very similar to what we saw from him in, in the Charlotte game on Friday night where he was, he was leveraging his tendency to shoot um, those turnarounds and, and consistently finding guys wide, wide open, completely fooling defenses. Um, and, and then my maybe my favorite sequence from him in the game also came in the first quarter. And, and this, is, this is a weird comparison, Alex. So I, want, I want to get your thoughts on it before I, I continue just going through his night. But he almost reminded me of Steph Curry, not, not in terms of style, but in terms of what he did, where he drew two defenders. It was really more like three defenders, um, then whipped out a pass to Quentin Grimes. And, and just the, the gravity is what initially was like, oh, it's kind of Steph-like, where everyone on the defense was looking at him in the middle of the paint. Whipped it out to Grimes. Grimes beat a closeout, drove, got it back to Randall. And Randall, instead of hesitating, instead of delaying, instead of looking at the ball, taking out a protractor, measuring the angle to the rim, which is what he's done at various points of season, various points during his next tenure, he, he just immediately whipped a bullet into the corner to Emmanuel quickly for three. And, and it was the combination of the gravity that he had on that play, but then just both the basketball IQ and the unselfishness to rapidly make that next pass. And then we saw more of that in the second half where he he was just directing every time he was doubled, he was like motioning over to RJ and saying, come on, cut to the middle. And, and RJ was getting either easy buckets or or lobs to Mitchell Robinson off of them. And and he he it just the combination of this of the shooting, the athleticism and power going to the basket, the passing and the quick decision making, and just a general basketball IQ and floor sense and even defensive effort. We've seen over these last few games, this is a player P 
peaking in front of our eyes. And based on past experience, I don't think in any way it's sustainable. I think at some point he's going to have a terrible game and make us go, oh, all right, it's, it's over. Uh, but for right now, Alex, is, he, he's doing everything he's ever done well at the highest possible level all at once. And, and, it, and it's incredible basketball. And it's fun to watch. And it's making everything work for the Knicks right now. Yeah, I just hope that Julius is sort of taking note of the fact that like the team is winning and it's largely because of how he's playing. You know, like it, it, the goal of basketball should be to win, you know, and, and that's what every guy's stated goal is that ever does a an interview, a postgame interview, a preseason interview, a whatever, you know, is, hey, I just want to win. Like the stats don't necessarily matter. Maybe in a contract year, but like, you know, other than that, like guys are just like, I just want to win and I want to help the team win. And Julius is doing that right now. Like the, to your point, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's lofty company to throw him in, in the conversation of like a Steph or something as far as gravity, but for one night only, (laughs) but like he's, it's more his understanding of the gravity because there have been other times, even this year where he's had doubles thrown at him and he just, seems to not know what to do it's like he forgot all of it's like if each season was like a school year it's like and it kind of matches up because the nba season does run the same time as the school year like if every season was a school year it's like he goes home for the summer and then just forgets everything and then came back and didn't use any of the lessons he learned from the year prior in the next year and that's sort of how it felt last year after 2021 when in that season he was so good at identifying doubles and passing out of them and feeding his teammates and just had, you know, Reggie Bullock, RJ Barrett, Manuel quickly, all these guys around the perimeter that he could feed for threes. Like this team on paper has that type of talent. You know, obviously you still have RJ Barrett. You have Emmanuel quickly still. Now you have Quentin Grimes, who's a great spot up shooter. You have Jalen Brunson, who's a great spot up shooter in his own right. Like there's a lot of shooting talent on this team that Julius can feed on the perimeter. If he just leverages the attention that he gets and, this game, he definitely did that. But to your point, too, the the floor generalness of what he was doing was kind of crazy. Like, uh, you know, I've at other points this year, like there was another game earlier this year where he yelled it quickly for something on defense that was clearly Randall's fault. And, you know, was was like trying to point the finger at quickly and be like, well, that was you, blah, blah, blah. To which makes you want to say, like, dude, what are you doing? Like, just own up to that. That was your mistake. But there was a moment in this game where he tried to call quickly up and quickly didn't come up fast enough. It led to a turnover. I don't know why Randall still passed the ball, seeing that the defender obviously knew it was going to happen then. But maybe it was just to prove a point. But, you know, at any rate, he was trying to, like, direct traffic. And then finally, later on in the game, to your point, almost like right before he got thrown out, actually. It was, um, yeah. He, he called for RJ and was like, cut, like, cut, dude, cut. Because he was like, the RJ's man was coming over to Julius and they, the Kings didn't recognize him making that hand signal and just let it happen. Then RJ cuts and then he caught a cutting Mitchell Robinson for a, a lob for a dunk. It was just a great sequence and, and really kind of underscored the type of game that Julius had, which was one that was less just about how great he was shooting and more about how he was using that to his and the team's advantage. So yeah, this was like the there's obviously the the black mark on it of him getting ejected, but it, which still stings and still kind of diminishes the overall game a little bit for him uh because of just the moment that it came when the team like was really relying on his offense, but everything leading up to that he was just 
really, really fantastic. I mean, I would not have been surprised if he went for like like 40 and 10 in this game if if he had seen it through to the end. So really just a, a banner night for Julius in this one. Yeah, I'm just gonna I'm gonna throw out real quickly. It it's it hurts more because there was there was no Obi Toppin, right? And 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 Julius Julius knew that and it's on him, like leader of this team, which which he claims to be. You you can't get thrown out of a game in that situation when when, when not not only to your point how electric he was, but when there was literally no backup and and the the counterpoint is all right, RJ, you gotta you gotta go play forty four minutes. And look, R- RJ did it, and we're gonna talk about it in a sec. But that is that is leaving your teammates out to dry, and on a night where that that quickly play aside, where Randall also like had some bad body language and then didn't run back um, as as expeditiously as he could have, um, and and gave up a layup on the other end. Um, on, on a night where he was really good about helping his teammates and directing his teammates and supporting them in every way possible. Like that was frustrating. And, and look, the guy just um, like I saw, like uh, our, our friend uh, Benji Ritholtz was talking about this on Twitter, but there, there's some, a real lack of uh, basketball emotional maturity. Like who, who knows off the court um, don't, don't want to comment on that, but on the court that is, is very clearly a reality with him. And, and it's not to be mistaken with a lack of basketball IQ because he, he showed tonight, like on, on that play you're referencing with RJ, he has that skill in abundance. But emotionally, it is uh, even even at, at this point at 28, like it's it just not all there. And and it, it could have could have screwed the Knicks on another night against a better team, but it didn't. And that was in large part because of RJ Barrett, which we will talk about in just a sec. But first, Rocket Money. Man, oh man, do I have a hard time canceling subscriptions I, I i was subscribed to a newspaper last year for for broadcasting reasons that, that will go unnamed on this podcast but i i was getting charged month after month and and like i i honestly like i didn't even realize that my um limited price subscription had run out and i was now being charged literally seven times as much uh that never would have happened with rocket money formerly known as Truebill. Are you wasting money on subscriptions? 80% of people have subscriptions they forget about. Maybe for you, it's an unused Amazon Prime account or a Hulu account that never gets streamed. There's this great app I use that helps me track all my expenses. And because of it, I no longer waste money on subscriptions I don't use. You might have heard of it. It's called Rocket Money, formerly known as Truebill. The app shows all your subscriptions in one place and cancels what you don't want. Rocket Money can even find subscriptions you didn't know you were paying for. You may even find out you've been double charged for a subscription to cancel subscription. All you have to do is press cancel and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Cancel unnecessary subscriptions with Rocket Money today. Go to rocketmoney.com slash locked on NBA. Seriously, it could save you hundreds a year. That's rocketmoney.com slash locked on. All right, and we want to thank you for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today. And every day for your second listen today, check out Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get podcasts. All right, Alex, I teed us up for it. Uh, RJ Barrett, um, similar to Julius Randle, maybe not quite to the same extent, but I would say a game of highs and lows. Um, we, we can talk about it more in depth, but... Number of really bad defensive possessions, number of possessions where he didn't box out and allowed an easy rebound. But man, oh man, I can forgive it all because this was one of the guttiest performances of his career. This was one of the most complete performances of his career. 27 points, nine rebounds, six assists, three steals, two blocks, nine and 21 from the field, seven and nine from the foul line and fueling the Knicks to a win playing power forward down the stretch, which 
you know, Alex, a certain a certain five days a week podcast has been calling for since his rookie season. And man, it did did it work well uh, when Julius Randle got himself kicked out of this ball game. Yeah, I mean, RJ at the four, you know, forget about Melo at the four 10 years ago. Maybe this is like the the revelation like that that we've been waiting for here. I don't know. Uh, I doubt that we're going to see too game. much. The, the East the East is big, man. The East is big. Yeah. <laughs> the East is small, man. <laughs> I mean, Tibbs clearly does think the East is big because his his number one option is Jericho Sims and Isaiah Hartenstein with uh, yeah. with Obi topping out. So, you know, is what it is. <laughs> Time it, is a flat it, it, circle. A lot of truth in that. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I thought the RJ at the four is great. You know, it, the lineup that they were throwing out there, the Knicks don't often go with a like a three-guard lineup. And it really works when you have three exceptional defensive guards out there, which is Deuce McBride, Emmanuel Quickly, Quentin Grimes. When those three are out there, plus RJ at the four, and then it was mostly Hartenstein at the five, but I think there was a few overlap minutes with Mitch there as well. I mean, it was it was a great product on the floor. Like th- these are the sort of things that the Knicks should be exploring all the time with a roster like what they have, right? Like you've got this roster of versatile guys, like all guys that are maybe a little undersized, but like built like brick, you know what houses? Uh, like RJ Barrett is more than physically capable of not letting a four man back him down. Quentin Grimes is more than physically capable of guarding most threes that aren't named like Kevin Durant with like, you know, that's like actually seven feet tall. Like yeah. your average three man, Quentin Grimes can can do a good job on. And like quickly and Deuce both have those otherworldly wingspans despite their limited height. So they can kind of switch around on the one and two and and figure things out there. So like I, I thought it was great. Like it, it led to a lot of opportunities where the Knicks were able to bend the Kings defense by like the things that stood out the most to me were just, there were like a million possessions where either Grimes or RJ just kind of got the ball in the perimeter and just did like a quick little head fake or whatever, or like a quick little hezzy. And then we're able to just like be off to the races straight to the hoop. And it, it was with mixed results, but like down the stretch, especially those two are just feasting on those, those sort of opportunities. And RJ, it's great to see him doing that because you know, even in this game, there were some, I'll call them annoying misses, you know, that we've come to associate with RJ, unfortunately, on on layups on the inside where you're like, oh, man, like the one he tried to throw up like a floater or something, he just had the worst touch imaginable. I don't know what he was yeah. trying to do. Um, but like, you know, he uh, all in all put it together towards the end of the game and, you know, really managed to leverage like his ability to use him being at the four to create advantages and and used it to great effect. And to your point, you, you said he had one of his most well-put-together games of the season. I, I totally agree. I think that, like, hopefully this was sort of a, I don't know, I struggle to say hopefully this is a turning point because we've seen some frustrating inconsistencies with RJ, like his whole career. But I hope that this is a good building block game uh, along with some of the other good games he's been having recently. And he can keep using these sort of things to be like, oh, okay, I do have these advantages. And like practice makes perfect with finishing. Hopefully, you know, he had a great righty finish in this game, some good ones with his dominant hand with the left. I, I just thought it was a really great performance for him all in all. 
Yeah, I want to I want to focus on two specific elements of it: his his defense and his, his passing. And I, I thought on defense, man, there were there were such high highs and such low lows. It was it was almost funny. Like he he just like uh, first quarter like. Two, two early plays where he, he got a great contest on Sabonis to force a miss and then slid down to, to knock away a pass intended for Sabonis late where he was in help. And it was exactly the kind of play that earlier this season he, he just wasn't making. But effort plus IQ, I mean, equal to steal uh, on that one. Um, and, and then um, you fast forward later in the game and there was some some really ugly ones, right? He got, got back cut by Keegan Murray twice in about eight minutes uh, for layups. And then had another one where he was on Trey Lyles and just forgot to box him out. And, and Trey Lyles uh, just walked in for about the easiest rebound and put back you'll ever see. Um, had another one where he didn't box out Herter. And that that really frustrated me because, man, I mean, Kevin, Kevin Herter is in the midst of an incredible season. But R.J. Barrett should be multitude stronger than Kevin Herter um, and be able to box him out and be able to just throw a body in him. And that's that's always what frustrates or not always but this season what frustrates me the most with rj where you just have the inexplicable like lack of physicality from someone whose whose greatest strength is supposed to be his physical strength um but then there was some crazy good stuff later on in the game got a great strip from behind on sabonis and help um and then just went coast to coast and drew a foul on the other end and then what i thought was the best defensive play of the play i've seen from him this season where, where after trey lyles beat isaiah hardenstein rj came flying and help side and, and got a block on Lyles, which, which you just do not see him get a lot of blocks. Um, and then the passing in this game, it didn't always lead to assists, but it, it was maybe the best passing game he's had all season. Um, just just threw a dot at one point to uh, Quentin Grimes in the second quarter, um, which just just great zip on the basketball. Um, and then had another one where he was he, like off the dribble. And, and this was, this wasn't on RJ. This was on Tibbs or having this lineup. He, he zipped it cross court to Jericho Sims, who was waiting in the opposite corner and it got waved off because I think it was either Mitchell Robinson or Isaiah Hardenstein, whoever the other center was um, just committed an offensive foul on the play, but the process was good. And, and it's exactly the kind of pass that uh, Prez was talking about when he was on this podcast a couple of days ago and saying that was the biggest skill RJ needed to add those cross court reads um, and he made them time and time again in this one. And then just down the stretch, Alex, like two massive buckets had the one where he spun inside on Sabonis. Herter came over to double and then he he just kind of stepped through both of them and then finished over Barnes and and, and over a contest from Sabonis. Um, and then had the game ceiling bucket, um, just bullying Barnes inside um, to make it 112 to 99 with a minute 14 to go. So the, to your point, lots of issues, lots of good stuff. Crazy, crazy game from RJ Barrett. Yeah, and another crazy, crazy thing that you could potentially run into is having to do hiring for your company. And if that is the case, you can hit up LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire could feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have the access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. And look, I say this all the time uh, during this ad read, but I don't have a ton of experience uh, being a hiring manager. However, I do have a lot of experience being a job seeker and LinkedIn jobs consistently points me to the best jobs available as a job poster. You can feel pretty confident that your job's got not only going to go in front of the people that you might expect it to go in front of, but also in front of other people 
that maybe wouldn't be looking for that job in the first place, but they could be the perfect candidate for you. So add your job and put the purple hiring frame on your LinkedIn profile and you can spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. You guys know it's it's the end of the year. You got to finish the year strong, especially if you're a small business, because every person matters. So use LinkedIn jobs for that. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash locked on MBA. That's LinkedIn.com slash locked on MBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, and we are back to Locked On Knicks talking about this 112 to 99 win. And Gavin, maybe out of uh maybe out of not wanting to put a damper on the evening or whatever, we have not talked about this yet. But Jalen Brunson got hurt in this game and he got hurt yeah. twice, actually. Uh he had a really rough game. And that dude, man, he takes so many bumps in any given game. I mean you want to talk about fouls that didn't get called. The one where he hurt himself. I mean, he got like hip checked. And yeah. uh, it, that was the first time he got hurt. He was up in the air. The Knicks did a lot of uh, Clyde's cardinal sin of passing in this game. They left their feet a lot. <laughs> like Julius was doing it. Brunson was doing it. Everybody, it was like that. the en vogue thing for the Knicks in this game was jumping in the air and then figuring out the pass. Brunson kind of did that on the baseline, jumped in the air, looked like he was looking to swing a pass around or go up for a layup. And then just got absolutely demolished. There was no foul call. I forget who it was. I think it was Keegan Murray. Uh, it was kind of just there and like uh, just sort of inadvertently. I don't think it was like intentional, but like, yeah, Brunson got laid out, lands right on his hip. He does manage to walk that one off uh, through some pain apparently, but, you know, got up and kind of hobbled around for a minute and then was like, okay, I can get back in the game. Then later on in the game ends up uh, twisting his ankle and that did take him out of the game. And he apparently is dealing with an ankle sprain. Not great stuff. Uh, he has been, I mean, as great as Julius Randle has been lately, uh, Brunson has been the guiding light for the Knicks this entire year. I mean, he's been the stabilizing presence that they've needed for like two decades at point guard. Uh, and if he, if I guess we'll wait to see what the official report is, but if this ends up being like a high ankle sprain, which is the more, you know, uh, taxing one, and he needs to be out for more than like a game or two, this this could potentially be a pretty big deal for the Knicks right now at this juncture that they're at right now. Um, yeah, I guess that's. I mean, I don't know. What are your thoughts like on on this injury? I guess not that there's like too much <laughs> to really positive about until we hear an injury report. But I, I thought that that was maybe the biggest storyline out of the game, unfortunately. Now, yeah, and that's and and you're right. We we buried the lead a little bit to talk about more fun stuff. But the good news is, um, the Knicks got a lot of evidence uh, the last couple of games that they can survive to some extent without Jalen Brunson. Because coming into this game, he he was obviously coming off his his two worst shooting performances of the season. It wasn't even he was something like seven of thirty over his last two games, and the Knicks were just fine because Julius Randle is volcanic right now. But the second Julius Randle returns from that to um, who he has been offensively for most of this year, which is still a good player on that end of the floor, to a very good player on that end of the floor. But when you you lose like this this apex version of Randle, 
where does it leave the New York Knicks? And even even tonight, Alex, when Randall was going off, it was Jalen Brunson who carried them through, through the first eight minutes or so of the first quarter where, where I thought he was playing some of the best basketball I've seen from him um, this entire season. Where, where he, I mean, he had one where he just torched Herter on a crossover, pulled up for an insane midi and heavy traffic. Then Davion Mitchell, who who allegedly, and look, I, I don't watch a lot of Sacramento, and he, he was an elite defender at Baylor, but allegedly one, one of the better point guard defenders in the NBA. And Brunson was just playing with him, right? Went behind the back, got into the lane, pump fake, pump fake. Finally, Mitchell bites on it, and and Brunson just calmly goes up and draws the foul. I mean, and 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 his final shot of the game um, was on Chemezi Metu, who played fantastic defense on him. And then Brunson just swooped inside of him on a pivot, hit a lefty push shot inside the elbow and, and you're looking at him and you're like who else on who else on planet earth does that like he i mean we, we've said it a million times but the guy is a genius um i think his passing this whole year has been underrated particularly because he creates three or four assists every game that just get left on the cutting room floor because the knicks haven't always shot well this year um and as and as well as they finish this game with iq with deuce um and with with quentin grimes um, I, I think they're they're in quite a bit of trouble offensively without Jalen Brunson. And at some point, um, or not at some point, as next game, I think you're going to see Derrick Rose back into the rotation, um, which will buoy the offense. But there's obviously a trade off defensively if you bring Rose back. Yeah, maybe this is a good opportunity to bring up like if we're going to talk about what rotations could potentially look like going forward. I I didn't fully understand why Cam Reddish didn't make it into this game either. I and like. One of the biggest, I was telling you this before the show, like I was on vacation for a week. So like I, I was like loosely aware of what was happening. The biggest thing that completely perplexed me as I was kind of like keeping up with things from afar, not being able to watch the whole games and whatever was like, what the heck happened that Cam Reddish all of a sudden like can't even get on the floor when the Knicks are short Obi Toppin and that like Tibbs would rather throw Jericho Sims and Isaiah Hardenstein out there together. It's just very bizarre to me. So like if Brunson is forced to miss some time, I would expect slash hope that that would mean like, okay, Emmanuel quickly is going to take over for the minutes or at least like a good chunk of the minutes that he would normally play. But with Deuce McBride already in the rotation and like Grimes already pretty well situated and RJ and all that stuff, like, why not? I mean, you might not even have to put Derrick Rose back in the rotation if you just kind of work it with quickly and deuce and you could potentially throw Reddish back in there. I just I don't I don't get what the deal is with why he all of a sudden is banished. If there's something going on behind the scenes or at practice or something like that. But it's been been a little perplexing uh, uh, to me to watch that all go down. Like I said, watching it sort of from semi afar for the last week. This game especially, I just I could not wrap my brain around him not seeing the floor. If Brunson's out, it might be a little unconventional, but like I almost hope that he's the beneficiary more so than Rose. Although I'm I'm almost positive it'll just end up being D Rose probably because it's Tibbs and that's like he's he's probably been waiting for this opportunity ever since he was presumably forced to bench Rose anyway. So we'll see how it goes. But yeah, I mean I'm. I'm definitely pulling for a Cam Reddish revival over a Derrick Rose revival. And that's nothing against Derrick Rose and more just that, like, I feel like it's more of a travesty that Cam Reddish kind of got sat down after the year that he was having leading up to getting sat down. It just doesn't make too much sense to me. Yeah. I mean, we, we look, we, I went into it in depth with Prez. Like we were both kind of saying like, it's, it's a case of, of Tibbs, like 
has never really been the biggest Reddish fan. And he was kind of just waiting for, for Reddish to give him a reason. And, and the combination of Quentin Grimes returning and Reddish having two really bad games in a row was, was enough of a reason. Um, and I guess now that he is openly being discussed in trade talks and that, that is very much public knowledge. Um, I, I honestly think Tibbs doesn't want a repeat of the Kemba Walker situation last year, which was, which was fun, but also like kind of an embarrassment to him. And, and the, the difference here just from a pure basketball sense is what, what, Kemba was doing was incredible for that one week, but completely unsustainable. What Cam's been doing all year, I think, is is very sustainable. Um, and again, that doesn't mean every game's gonna be perfect, but he is he is clearly a helpful NBA rotation player and and can be on this team. And 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 this is a group that is that is starving for an extra body, an extra talented body. They have one. Um, I, I think it would, I think it's insane. It, I'm with you that they're not gonna play him. And, but I, I I don't I don't think they're going to play him. I would I would be really surprised if he if he was out there next game um and I, I do think we we get some rows just because i don't think they really trust juice as a point guard quite yet and honestly I'm, I'm not even sure how much tibbs trusts iq running point for over 30 minutes a game for better or worse so i, I guess we'll see how that turns out but alex you, you maybe we can finish up with some rapid fire quick hitters on other guys in this game there were, there were a lot of really high level efforts um who, who else stood out to you in in this game I want to give a quick shout out to uh, to Mitch and Hartenstein um, doing the the yearly thing where now it's only twice a year because because Sabonis plays in the other conference. But uh, the the twice a year uh, lesson in in center footwork and, you know, how to not jump uh, and not, you know, screw up a defensive possession and, and foul the guy when he's just moving on a pivot foot like you're bigger than him you could just stand there with your arms up and and it'll be fine like it'll be good you'll you'll probably adjust him enough that he won't make the shot or it'll at least not lead to a foul and you'll make it into like a i don't know a 40 60 ball like he maybe would make 40 percent of contested shots at the rim like that which is a number you can live with uh they really struggled early on this game with him like mitch got into foul trouble he eventually fouled out but i thought that it got a little ticky tack towards the end with Mitch. Like they almost, it seemed like the Knicks were considering challenging the foul that ultimately fouled Mitch out. But I thought he did a really good job kind of reining it in after a tough start to the game. And same thing with Hartenstein. Like he came in and it was just like, I think between the two of them, they had something like five or maybe even six fouls combined by halftime between the two of them, uh, which is, is not ideal. Uh, but they they wound up kind of pulling it out. So I, I'll give it to those two. That's like my first quick hitter. Uh, I don't – I'm trying to think. I mean, I'll throw it to you. We can just go back and forth. But, yeah, I, I wanted to definitely yeah. shout those guys out because there was a definite progression within the game of how they were able to deal with Sabonis. And, and I always like seeing that when guys can adjust like that in game. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought Sab- – Sabonis was was embarrassing. I say Hardenstein at, po- at points in this game. Like it was, he he just he did not have a chance. It was it was it was almost like a like a ultimate fighting like tap out situation for Hardenstein. But Mitch, on the other hand, I mean to your point, the foul trouble was was a real issue. But twelve points, nine boards, including four on the offensive end, and two blocks in nineteen minutes is nothing to scoff at. Uh, I saw an incredible stat on Mitchell Robinson today. It was it was via the the, the Twitter handle or, or the Twitter called Swoops at play swoops on Twitter, um, highest contested rebound percentage in the NBA. Mitchell Robinson is at 71%. That that leads the NBA. The next highest participant or the next highest player is Anthony Davis 
at 56.5%. Anthony Davis to, to Sengun, who's in 10th, is a 7% difference. Robinson to AD is a 15% difference. Mitch is, is in his own stratosphere as a rebounder this season, and, and he, he showed it again in this game with, with some of the crazy offensive boards he got to sustain possessions uh, for the New York Knicks. Also had some, some big-time blocks um, despite getting an ankle injury in this one. Uh, a really nice one on Keegan Murray. So I, 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 I think Mitch is continuing to play some of the best basketball of his career. But um, I, I'll talk about Deuce and Grimes and IQ um, real quick in conjunction because I, I just think Alex, and I, I know you've, you've said similar stuff in the past, what those three guys do kind of compounds on each other where, where it's sort of like uh, the whole is, is greater than the sum of the parts situation. Because it's like one guy makes a hustle play that leads to one guy making an, another hustle play that leads to a third guy making a hustle play that leads to a dunk. Or, or it's one guy makes an extra pass and then another guy makes an extra pass that leads to a wide open free throw layup. And I, I honestly think like, like obviously RJ and Julius deserve all the credit in the world for what they're doing right now. Those three on both ends of the floor, they're, they're saving their butts defensively. And offensively, they are encouraging their best tendencies. Like with Deuce over and over again, it was just making the simple play in this ball game. Like he he had one where he um he after he hit a wing three, then he had a, just just a, just an attack down the middle, drew two, and just kicked it back out to RJ Barrett for three. Um, had another one where he got middle, and then and then just threw a no look um whip pass out to Quentin Grimes, who immediately swung it to Emmanuel quickly, and then Emmanuel quickly beat a closeout for this this gorgeous swooping up and under layup. Um, and, and then RJ, uh, RJ got in on the act. Like near the end of the game, he was doubled near half court, just threw a bounce pass out of it to Deuce, uh, who, who did a really nice job coming towards the ball, seeing his guy was in trouble. And then Deuce just shuffled over to Grimes, wide open, top of the key. Grimes nailed the three. Um, and, and then on an individual level, I mean, some of Emmanuel quickly shot making in this game it was just crazy. Like, please, we, we haven't talked about it a lot in the body yet. Please do not trade this guy. Man, I just love watching him play basketball um the play where he um I, I think it was it was off a rebound that he got it was a long rebound um he froze trey lyles with the behind the back and then sped by him for a layup it was just and it, it just he looked like alan iverson for for a second there um and then to end the first quarter that one where he crossed up della Badova, um dribbled around metu and then nailed like a running floater banker to end the first quarter of play like, like it's just fun watching those guys right now and i I, I hope they continue to get tons of minutes together because look, it's going to be a little different when they play better defenses, but right now it's, it's a joy to watch. Yeah. And you know, the, the Kings might not be a good defense, but they've at least been a team that's played pretty well so far this year. So, yeah, you know, the no Fox exactly, tonight, obviously, but good team. Yeah. 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 With no Fox, but still, you know, a, a team that has seemed to had it, have its stuff together this year so far. And and the Knicks still managed to, do what they did and and also hold them to a really low point total uh, compared to what they've been scoring through the year. I think they said on the broadcast, the second highest offense in the league this year on a points per game basis. Yeah. So they were number one coming pretty, into this week. So yeah, pretty solid. So anyway, I think that's good though. I, we've uh, the benefit of the short rotation is that when we rapid fire a couple guys, suddenly we've talked about every single guy that played in the game, <laughs> except for maybe Jericho Sims. So, and he only played eight minutes. Sorry, Jericho. So we're, we're going to end the show on that note. Thank you all for listening. And we'll be back with some more great episodes this week. A couple more game recaps. Uh, perhaps wrapping up some of the mailbag questions that we got from you all. 
and other great stuff. So that's all coming up later this week on Locked on Knicks. But until then, thank you all for listening, and we'll talk to you all soon. Peace out.